Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. The Dolphins put up 70. The Chiefs put up 40. And the Bills had five takeaways against the Commanders. Good teams win big, and also the Cowboys were there too. It's the pump fake starting right now. Welcome to the latest edition of The Pump Fake. I am Jared Bailey. That is my friend JP Acosta from SB Nation. It's good to see you, my friend. Good to be on again. Good to be on again. It was it was a wild uh, week three, one that I had to catch up on while I was on the road. So a lot of stuff stunned me while I wasn't watching. Man, you know, we, we saw something that we hadn't seen. Well, you and I have never seen. Most people alive haven't seen. Uh, a 70-point performance from a team. From an NFL team, uh, the Miami Dolphins just playing with their food all afternoon against the Denver Broncos. Um, going into this, too, like I was the idiot that was like, you know what? I don't think the Broncos will win. I think they'll play with their backs against the wall. I think they'll cover the six-and-a-half-point spread. I think Miami will still win, but I-, I think that Sean Payton will make it difficult. Russ has been you know, playing well enough, not looking great. Ten touchdowns, bro. 10 touchdowns. Devin Oshin with one of the best debuts we've ever seen. Raheem Mostert looked really good. The Dolphins are as close to flawless offensively as you can get. I mean, they had more yards offensively that game than the Titans had through three games this year. It's insane. (laughs) And one of the things I noticed throughout the game, and it was so funny going back and watching the highlights of the game and just hearing Kevin Harling say Tyreek Hill wide open over the middle every three plays. But what's so fun about this offense now is I think they found their way of getting into the run game efficiently against the Denver Broncos. They, it, they make the Broncos tried to make it a priority to stop the passing game, which really didn't work, but the run game was really was kind of driving the Miami Dolphins. I mean, Moster and Achain had four touchdowns each. The run game looked so much better and more efficient, of course, with Teron Armstead. And now that you have Armstead, Mostert, Achain, or Achan in the offense, you can see what Mike McDaniel wants to do in the run game. He wants to use the speed as misdirection to open open up lanes in the run game. We have to remember he was the 49ers running game coordinator. He I was, was going to say, this is the 49ers South. Yeah, this is... It's so cool watching the Niners and the Dolphins kind of do the same things, but for different purposes. You know, I think the Vikings are more, not Vikings, uh, the Dolphins are more vertical displacement with their motions and everything that they do based on the Niners offense. It's getting teams so worried about the threat of speed that you open up the middle of the field because they're playing so deep. The Niners do it with yak and we're going to throw it short, but you can't tackle us. And it's funny because the Dolphins are also like top of the league in Yak because everybody is just extremely fast. But that's just something really cool that I've been watching. Um, but yeah, man, it's it's insane. They're, the offense is playing at an extremely high level right now. And the way that Mike McDaniel has figured out how to make Tyreek Hill even more dangerous by constantly having him in motion and running all around before the play even begins, it 
working dividends for the Dolphins offense. And then you introduce Achain and uh, Raheem Mostert is having a really good first month of the season. Um, you know, we the questions about the Dolphins, if there were any, were, okay, well, what happens if, you know, a guy gets hurt? Well, we just saw them put up 726 yards of total offense without Jalen Waddle being healthy. They are, in terms of offense, just incredibly efficient. And, you know, when Jalen Ramsey went down before the season started, we we're like, oh, man, what are the Dolphins going to do defensively? Are they going to have to score a bunch of points each game? Or are they going to be able to keep up with just – just in general, like how, how are they going to look? But man, you can make the argument that they are the best team in football right now. I still do have a little bit of questions about the defense. I mean, outside of like a tip drill interception by Russ to the defensive lineman and Cortland Sutton fumbling the ball after two catches, Broncos offense didn't look too bad. No. But I think that's going to be challenged more by better teams as they play throughout the season. But when you can score 70 points in a game, you got to keep up with them. It's not the other way around. Sticking in the AFC East, though, because um, like I said to start, it was the week three Sunday was a Sunday of great teams just beating up inferior opponents. And the Bills traveled to Washington to play the Commanders and just made Sam, Sam Howell's life hell for three and a half hours through four interceptions. They had a fumble recovery as well, five takeaways for the Bills defense. Didn't allow a touchdown. And then offensively, like, yeah, we saw, you know, Josh Allen make a couple throws with a touchdown pass to Gabe Davis, who's, you know, a typical Josh Allen. Oh, man, that was a great throw. They've been really leaning on their defense these first three weeks, which is, I think, a big counterpoint to what people were expecting. You know, I think when you think the Buffalo Bills, you think, all right, Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, the offense is going to be, you know, kind of the engine that makes them go. And that's still true. But the defense through this first month, look at what they did against the Jets. Like how well they performed against the Raiders and now against the Commanders. They've allowed 13 points in the last two games combined and have had a ton of takeaways. They lead the NFL with seven interceptions right now. Bill's defense, man, they are they are the talk of the town right now up in uh, up in western New York. Yeah, and this is also the Bill's defense was just a bad matchup for Sam Howell, especially style. <clears throat> Sam Howell holds on to the ball for a very long time. That is kind of a production of you know, Sam Howell's going to try and hold out for the big play. And if he doesn't hold out for the big play, he's going to try and create by himself. Sometimes he gets too much dip on his chip. He thinks he has the facilities to make throws like Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes when you just – you can't right now, bro. But nine sacks, four interceptions, those kind of go hand in hand. What the Bills defense does so well is they pass off routes very well on the back end. Micah Hyde. Jordan, Jordan Poyer, they both pass off routes really well in that area. And because they can close off lanes so quickly in the passing game, it forces defenses to hold on to the ball. And that's how they get their pass rush going, especially without having Vaughn Miller right now during this during this part of the season. And Oliver's looked fantastic, though. I think that has been a huge point, a huge boost for that defense. I think that the Bills defense is going to be good going into this season. I'm just kind of surprised that how they've taken a sledgehammer to other teams on that side of the ball. Offense, I knew was going to be, they were going to be fine offensively. The the big departure for them on that side of the ball is Tremaine Edmonds over the offseason going to Chicago. And there's a lot of questions. All right, you know, Matt Milano's still there in the middle of the defense, but are they going to be able to find somebody that can roll with him? I think Bernard might be a better fit for the Bills defense than Tremaine Edmonds ever was. I think it's been kind of up and down for Bernard. I think the first couple of games were kind of rough. 
Like the the Jets game was kind of bad because then like the Jets just ran all over them out of like 13 personnel, bigger personnel. Yeah. But the Raider, Raiders game, he played really well. And then the commanders really try and spread you out to run the ball. And that's just not going to work. That's what the Bills want you to do because then they can get guys like Teron Johnson, who is arguably the best run fitting nickel in the league at 190 pounds in, in the run fit and in the run action. And that helps out Bernard a lot. I'm, I'm not as sold yet on him in that spot, but I do think he is surrounded by a nucleus of very good players on the second level into Ron Johnson and Matt Milano, who are kind of going to mask him a little bit. Sure. Like I said, that defense is just, they're playing great team defense right now. It's not as much like, oh, the stars are dominating. I mean, Matt Milano will make a splash play because he's Matt Milano, but this is more just overall everybody playing with it, everybody playing their role. Chiefs defense also put on a show against the lowly Chicago Bears. Um, 41 points. The Bears got a late touchdown. Um, Mahomes did what Mahomes does, made you know three to five throws a game. We're like, how in the fuck is he doing this? And I don't know what we can say about Kansas City that hasn't already been said, um, but I do think that it can't be understated how well they've drafted in terms of guys, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Like, you look at Willie Gay, Nick Bolton, Legereus Sneed, uh, Trent McDuffie, George Karlakis, Leo Chanel. These are all guys that need to be, you know, contributors on the defensive side of the ball that are homegrown talents, and all of them have played awesome. And then Pacheco in the backfield, who, I mean, they had Edward Zelayer, who was a first-round pick. Pacheco is obviously the bell cow in that, in that rotation. We can talk about how great Mahomes and Reed are, and they are. They're great. So it was Kelsey. But the way that that front office has built the team around them can't be understated how awesome they've done. Yeah, and I think that's part of the reason why I was so ardent, kind of adamant in the offseason that they should pay Chris Jones because you can give him all the money right now because all the other impact players are in years one and two of their deals. You talk, you talk about the secondary. Brian Cook is in his second year. Trent McDuffie is awesome in playing in his second year. But Jerry Steed is really the only free agent in that secondary. That's coming up. Joshua Williams and Jalen Watson both play really well. They're both big physical corners. I think uh, Nick Bolton and Willie Gay are both very fun. I don't think Willie Gay played yesterday, but Nick Bolton is very fun. Leo Chanel playing a lot better than he did last year, and I thought last year he was kind of fine. George Karloftis, again, Mike Dana is awesome. One of the underrated like interior pass rushers in the league, Mike Dana. Super fun player, but they all kind of they play so well together and they're also so fast to the ball and it helps when Spags is kind of creating these exotic looks and pressures around having Chris Jones, who once again, just kind of wrecked shop yeah. the entire game. Like, I'm sorry, the bears offensive line against Chris Jones is the biggest matchup. I think I've seen in, to, in the NFL to this point this year, like that was just going to be a bad matchup overall. Yeah. But like you said, there's some things that Patrick Mahomes does that you just got to shrug. Like, and, you can't you can't defend that. I can't tell you how to defend that any better. That's just a charge to the game throw. You know, that stuff happens. And that that's really what happened to the Bears. The you your arms are too short. The box with God. Yeah. You know how to tickle my fancy when when we do these shows. So shout out to, to CM Punk. I do want to talk about Justin Fields though and the Bears because you know, coming into this year, a lot of people expect, all right, you know, we've seen it with 
Hertz and Allen and a little bit of Daniel Jones. Justin Fields, kind of that next in line. Okay, you got DJ Moore. Let's see what you can do with a little bit better of a offensive core around you. They're 0-3 again. They don't look good. He looks like he's lost all confidence. I really just don't know what you do if you're the Bears, if you are Matt Eberflus, if you're Luke Getze, if you're Justin Fields. I, I don't know what's next for them, but I feel like the the future quarterback, the future of this franchise ain't on the team right now. I feel like everything right now for the Bears is bad, and you can't put blame on one sole person because everybody has been bad. Justin Fields has been bad. Yes, there have been – he looks – unconfident he doesn't want to come you don't want to come off with progressions on throws he's staring down receivers doesn't want to get to the backside of plays where guys are open the receivers are bad running wrong routes not creating separation not getting blocked offensive line is terrible luke getsy has been really really bad despite i think they kind of overthought what happened last season with justin fields looking objectively better but also taking so many hits because of the run game and we're like yeah we're never going to run you again. So now he just doesn't run the ball and he just yeah. looks he looks like he is playing slow. That's my entire complaint with the Bears offense. They are playing slow right now. When you don't have talent to close that gap with just we have dudes better than you, you have to create the margins on, by yourself with tempo, with pace, with using misdirection. And the Bears don't do that right now. And that's on Luke Getze, but the big, I think the biggest blame goes to Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus. They did not build this team in a way that you can kind of be competitive for the first couple of years. I mean, Matt Eberflus is a defensive guy, and you just got 40 ball, and then you got 30 ball to open the season, and then you let Baker Mayfield go off for 27 on you. Like, that's not a good run for a defensive coach, for a defensive mind. Nothing about this team makes sense there is no reason to anything like you can't go and watch the bears game be like oh i get why they did that i see the proof of concept there is no proof of concept and that comes down to the general manager and the head coach those are the two that's the brain trust of the proof of concept that's who that's your reflect that's a reflection of you on that field they have no pass rush whatsoever like they brought in unique and gawkway to be like their predominant edge rusher no offense to unique and gawkway but like if he's your, hey, go 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 raise hell, Yannick, I, I don't think that you're going to have too much success there. I like what the, I like some pieces that they have. Like Jaquan Brisker, I think, has potential. Tyreek Stevenson has some potential. But potential is just a fun way of saying hasn't done shit yet. And they have a bunch of dudes who haven't done shit yet. And when you've got a team full of that, not to mention the whole thing with Chase Claypool that seems to be going on week in and week out, I don't know, man. And then you got, uh, what was it, Devin White, who was mic'd up telling DJ Moore that they aren't using him right. And DJ Moore is like, yeah, tell me about it. It's, He's right. That, yeah, He's yeah. Right. And everything going on with the Alan Williams situation, which sounds really just gross and ugly. Just it, There's a bunch of just bad things going on in Chicago right now. They had, they had lawnmowers stolen from the facility. Lawnmowers. Multiple lawnmowers. And these aren't like your granddad's push lawnmower. <laughs> these are industrial, state-of-the-art riding lawnmowers. How do you get multiple lawnmowers out of an NFL facility without anybody going like, hey? That looks familiar. Like, what? <laughs> why is that guy taking these lawnmowers and putting them on the bed of his F-150? Like, what's happening here? How did I need to interview the brave soul 
who stole these lawnmowers <laughs> from the Bears and be like, how did you play in this, brother? Because I have questions. In terms uh, for you, maybe outside of these three teams, is there a team that you think really won the weekend in terms of the way that they performed? And you know, maybe it could be a must-win situation or just they really had a lot to show and, and they really showed up. A team that won the weekend? Because hmm. for me, it feels like Jordan Love kind of showed that he is he's here in Green Bay. You know, 17 points down, didn't back down. I, I understand that Derek Carr went down uh, with, with injury and I had to bring turn to Jameis, but you're down 17. You play like hell for three quarters, and then they rally back to win 18-17. Tip of the cap to Jordan Love, man. Um, I'm going to go kind of homerish here, but in the opposite, like Homer way, CJ Stroud mm. played fantastic football on Sunday, and it's kind of a reflection of like, yeah, with, this is the guy who I thought he was coming in. He was my QB1 entering the draft, I think. What he does so well is I've always said like CJ Stroud's best pro comparison is a professional golfer with the way he can layer passes over a linebacker in between a safety. And he was just dialed in the entire game, hammering in breakers, the way he throws it in anticipation to every level of the field. Super impressive for a guy his age, for a rookie quarterback, you know, and Texans, the Texans came in and won that game. They came in and beat the Jaguars. Of course, the Jaguars have a lot of issues right now in terms of execution on the offense, which they'll be fine. They'll be fine offensively. I think the biggest thing was from watching a film today, like they'll, they'll be fine. It's just they need to chill a little bit. But CJ Stroud really impressed me. I had a thought. Oh, no. Okay. The thought came back. In terms of Jacksonville, I agree. I think their offense is going to be totally okay their defense and their special teams were kind of the the worst story uh of sunday against houston they need to get right though i mean they're one and two now luckily they do have a get right game coming they face atlanta and i think that that's going to be an onslaught of lawrence and ridley especially ridley i think we're going to see a, a healthy dose of him um i think they're going to be fine they were my pick to win the afc or you know at least be the number one seed in the afc it's a long season I think they will be they will be okay. Um, in terms of the Dallas Cowboys, you know, uh, I saw Tom Downey from Chat Sports tweeted out um, a little graphic of the Cowboys and Cardinals before the game started. And he's like, "All right, score predictions." And I I replied to it saying, "You know, this feels like it could be like Chiefs Colts from last year, where Dallas just plays a bad game, the Cardinals just wanted a little bit more." That's kind of what we saw. Um, there were some exotic looks, oddly enough, from the Cardinals. They had Rondale Moore in the backfield who ran for a touchdown. James Conner had a really nice day. Hollywood Brown caught a touchdown. Josh Dobbs continues to play respectably enough where Arizona's in games. I don't think that the Cardinals are going to be, like, all of a sudden this world-beating team. But I saw Mike Gold Jr. tweeted this. They are proof that it is hard to tank in the NFL because – those 53 guys, they don't give a shit about, you know, who's going to be the number one pick next year. They want to win, and they showed that. Uh, in terms of Dallas, I think it's largely the same that we just have with, with Jacksonville. I think they're going to be fine. It's just, you know, okay, yeah, you can beat up bad teams for the most part, but even on, you know, a three-game stretch of playing, all right, probable bad team with the Giants, bad offense in the Jets, and who we thought would be really, really bad with the Cardinals, you know, sometimes teams just sneak up on you, especially in the beginning of the year. I think Dallas is going to be fine, but uh, you know, Dak 
kind of talked about it after the game. You know, people seem to uh, get what they want and now can talk poorly about the Cowboys. Yeah, I feel like this was a big mulligan week for a lot of a lot of the middle class teams in the NFL. I mean, the Cowboys are at the top of the NFC, but sure. Yeah, it was just a very weird like mulligan week. Like, hey, like you lost this game, but eh, I'll give you a mulligan for this one. I'm not going to draw too many big com- uh, conclusions from it. I think the thing that stood out to me the most watching the Cardinals and the Cowboys was how well the offense played against the Cowboys defense. The way that they schemed up the run game where they used the Cowboys aggression and used Micah Parsons aggression against the Cowboys. And the biggest thing, the biggest weakness of the Cowboys is they don't play a lot of linebackers. They don't roster a lot of linebackers. They have three linebackers on the active roster. They have seven safeties. So they play light by design. That is a by design thing. That is a Dan Quinn. That's a, that's a Dan Quinn thing. We knew they knew going in, they're going to play light. Sometimes it kind of backfires when your 330 pound guard is hitting Marquise Bell in the face. Sometimes that that's going to happen. Now, is this saying like, oh, they found a blueprint to beating the Cowboys? Like, no, this is a it's week three. Will it be a blueprint? Maybe. I'm not sure. But this is a very good game plan by the Cardinals who came in knowing what they wanted to do to beat this Cowboys defense. And they executed it a lot better. I think it's a lot of credit to Jonathan Gannon, who, of course, we make a lot of jokes. He's kind of a dweeb, but that dweeb can coach. And he got he he's got a bunch of guys who are willing to play for him to the final whistle. So I think it's really cool for the Cardinals. And I think Jonathan Gannon's familiarity with the Cowboys, you know, being in Philadelphia, you know, kind of definitely came into play uh, in this game where I think you probably recognize those things that you pointed out where, okay, yeah, they're going to be light. We're just going to ram it down their throats until they can stop us. And for most of the day, they could not. So, yeah, I agree. Very cool for the Cardinals. Um, and they seem to have some sort of identity where, you know what, we might not win a lot of games, but we're going to make your life hell as much as we can, and we're going to make sure that you don't want to play us. Um, when Kyler Murray is ready and active, do you think that he comes back, or have we seen the last of him in a Cardinals uniform? I think he comes back. I think yeah. he left off on last season on kind of a poor note before being injured, and even if like he wants out of Arizona – and if they want to move on, it's good to get good tape on you sure. recently. You know, you don't want to you don't want to go into potentially a market where teams are trading for you, and your last tape is you yelling at the offensive coordinator for sixty minutes. So, don't want a, another Deshaun Watson situation where you know he doesn't play for a while, and you give him a lot of money, and it, it completely backfires. Yeah, one hundred percent. So I think he plays. I don't know if that changes the outlook for the Cardinals on this season. I think they're still going to be bad, but they've shown they're going to be competitive and it is hard to tank in the NFL. Sunday night football, my Steelers playing the Las Vegas Raiders. They had not beaten the Raiders on the road since 1995. It was the first trip to Vegas as a franchise. Matt Canada, it was announced earlier in the day by Jordan Schultz was given a promotion of sorts. Why not? <laughs> Offense stinks. Give him more to do. Um, but I will say this. I'm not saying he's good, but the offense looked much better than it had, albeit against a Raiders defense that is basically the Birmingham Stallions defense at this point, minus Max Crosby. Um, but there was a lot more intricate looks than we had seen with Canada's offense, where 
I think he watched that Warren Sharp video, by the way, where Sharp's just shitting on him. He's like, all right, well, if they're lining up under center, they're going to run. If they're lining up in the gun, we know that they're going to throw. Started using a lot more play action from under center. Um, Jalen Warren uh, was utilized really well, especially as a pass blocker on the Calvin Austin touchdown pass where he chipped Max Crosby, who was coming in on a stunt. I don't know what the Steelers' ceiling is offensively. It's I don't think it's high. But defensively, man, they keep making plays. They intercepted Garoppolo three times. T.J. Watt was his normal self. I don't know what they're going to be, man. I, would it shock me if they lose to Houston this week? Nope, it certainly will not. But right now, they are, for all their flaws, they're sitting atop the AFC North. If Matt Canada were allowed to only coach against the Las Vegas Raiders, he would be the greatest <laughs> offensive coordinator of all time. That is my biggest takeaway coming out of that game. Um Steelers defense is good. We've known we knew that coming in. They can yeah. get pressure. They can have they have such a talented defensive front. Keanu Benton was awesome once that again. Swim move sack man was monster, lovely to see. A monster player. And that was something that he kind of showed at senior bowl. Like, oh, you can do this. This is cool. Keep doing that. So I'm glad that he he keeps showing up offensively. I mean, I'm not gonna put too much stock into it. Like it it looked fine for a game. I think execution was a lot better. I think play calling was a little better, but I would like to see it against a non Raiders like defense. And from the Vegas perspective, like, look, man, <laughs> I look, you signed up for this. This is, this is your making. You made this bed. You chose Jimmy G who hears the Sonic drowning theme. Every time he holds the ball for over two and a half seconds, <laughs> Devontae Adams is, phenomenal he's great he is still like one of the three best receivers in the nfl and it probably doesn't matter doesn't matter because they scored 18 points he had 13 catches and it didn't make a lick of a difference he had 13 catches on 20 targets for 172 yards and they scored 18 points and 14 of those points were from Devonte adams yeah like that's just that's tough like if we're quoting Avatar, that's rough, buddy. Like you, you kind of made this bet on your own. But I what did I, you make of McDaniel's at the end of the game? They bring in the field goal unit. Demarvin Leal gets called for leverage. They get stopped again. He kicks the field goal again, rather than you know they're that close to the end zone. You're down one possession. It made. I know that there's people who are going to try to defend it. I'm not. I just don't get why you do that in that situation. What does the field goal accomplish? That's my biggest thing. You kick the field goal, cool. You're down five. You have to get a stop, and now you have to score a touchdown to win the game. You go for it. You go score. Now the game is tied. Now you get a stop, and now you don't need a touchdown. You can just get in the field goal range for Daniel Carlson, who is a very good NFL kicker. Yeah, like It feels like they tried to outsmart themselves. Not only was it weird, but it was also funny because on the last possession, they scored a touchdown and went for two. So it's not like they didn't ever want to go for two in this game. They went for it on the last possession, this possession, with an eight-point game. You decide to make an eight-point – you decide to make a two-possession game a two-possession game? Like, none, none of that makes sense to me. Like, that, Josh McDaniels is a very good schematic play caller he is he can build an offense but the in-game managerial stuff has always been very poor it was poor last year it's poor this year and it's ultimately sinking this team 
in terms of the rest of the AFC North, uh, we saw the, the Ravens go down to the Colts, uh, which, by the way, the Colts, to me, we can make the argument for either AFC South team, the Colts or the, Lo- or the Texans. I think one of those or both of them are like this year's Lions, where, hey, man, they, they might not be the sexiest team, but they've got a lot of guys that care. They got each, each team as a coach where the guys seem to really dig him and rally around him. And shout out to Gardner Minshew for getting the job done yesterday for the Colts. They're now two and one. I really like what I see from the Colts. Um, but the Ravens, I did want to t- talk to you about this because my thing about Baltimore coming into this year is, okay, yeah, they look solid on paper. Are they going to stay healthy? And already the answer to that question is no. No, they are not. What are your thoughts on the Ravens and not only just the health thing, they shot themselves in the foot constantly on Sunday. Yeah, this was very much another mulligan game to me where it's like, yeah, you're just being goofy. You're just ha- you're up to some shenanigans and tomfoolery out here. Like, why why are you fumbling, Lamar Jackson? Like, you, you don't have to put the ball on the ground, you know? Like, why why are y'all still fumbling the ball? Like, this is not fun. Um, it was a rainy game. Still, that's another, like, added aspect of it, but. I'm still I'm still in on the Ravens. I think they're still going to be very, very good. I think the offense still like we they've shown in correct conditions that's not driving rain. They can put up points with anybody. The health does worry me, mainly because the defense has already just like been cut in half in the secondary, and that's gonna be an issue. But I still think they're gonna be really good. I think this is once again a mulligan game, but on the Colts, like, yeah. We the Jaguars played them week one. And I was like, hey, this is not gonna be the walk in the park. Like this is it's a physical team, especially up front on the defensive side of the ball. And that's where they dominated up front, you know. And Gardner Minshew, he he's up to his goofy shenanigans, you know. It was a very shenanigans and tomfoolery kind of game. Yeah, I mean, they got guys on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, Zaire Franklin's very good. I think he leads the NFL in tackles right now. EJ Speed had a nice game. Juju Brents, the rookie out of Kansas State. They have guys on that side of the ball that fit what they do defensively in terms of their scheme and fit that scheme very well. And offensively, like, I don't think that, you know, they don't have the flashiness, especially without Jonathan Taylor, but they got guys that get the job done, whether it's Pierce or uh, Josh Downs, Michael Pittman. They're all playing very well right now and gelling into what Shane Steichen wants to do offensively, which is, and, and the fact that they can transition from a guy like Anthony Richardson, who goes down last week with a concussion to Gardner Minshew, two guys have completely different skill sets and still make the offense work. I think that's a giant feather in the cap of Shane Steichen. Yeah, they definitely hired the right guy. I think what you're seeing now is proof of concept. You're seeing the foundations. It might not be the prettiest of wins, but you're seeing what the you're seeing what the idea is right. right now. And that's all you really wanted this year from Steichen and the Colts. You wanted to see what the idea was, what the foundation, what the proof of concept is. What do you expect tonight from both Tampa Bay and Philadelphia and then the Rams and the Bengals? Um, I haven't been checking Twitter. I don't know what the status of Joe Burrow is. We'll f- figure that out. But in terms of um, Eagles, Buccaneers, what do you expect um, to come out of that? What are you looking forward to in that? I'm 100% looking forward to this offensive and defensive line matchup. I think the Eagles offensive line still remains the best offensive line in football. I would argue that they are the best position group in the NFL because of how they can change games. They can flip games, you know, they can, they can slow a game down if they want to. 
we're like, okay, we're just not going to throw the ball anymore, and we're going to run the ball for eight yards a pop. But going up against a Tampa Bay defense that is both big, they like to play in base formations, Vita Vea versus Travis Kelsey, not Travis Kelsey, Jason Kelsey, mm. is going to be so much fun. I cannot wait. I'm really excited to see how the Eagles try to run the ball on this front, which is going to once again be very tough, very physical. The passing game is also going to be very fun because I think the Eagles have kind of been a little up and down in the passing game. The, They've been weird throughout the first two weeks. It's been a little inefficient. Of course, you play the page, you play Bill Belichick in the rain. That's going to happen. Not great. Um, the Eagle, the uh, Vikings game was very weird for like the first couple of minutes where like the offense just wasn't moving and they decided to run the ball. So I do want to see if the passing game kind of returns to life a little bit. I want to see if they can be more efficient without needing the use of the deep ball as much. But I mean, from the other side of the ball, I can Baker Mayfield survive. That's the biggest thing. They're kicking James Bradbury inside to play nickel. I'm going to very much be paying attention to what that means for Mike Evans, who's going to be who's going to be shadowing him. He's going to have another big game like he did against Chicago. So watching Mike Evans heavily tonight. Um, and then in terms of Bengals Rams, like the Rams to me still feel like that weird team, man, where they're, they're doing better than you and I both expected. I know you and I had very similar feelings on the Rams coming into this year. It was like, okay, they, They've got LinkedIn applicants playing on defense. They've they played well enough. You know, they hung with the 49ers. They beat the Seahawks. Depending on the status of Joe Burrow and what he looks like tonight, I just can't see the Bengals starting 0-3. I really I can't. Even, even if Burrow's only at 75%, 70%, it just feels like a game where, all right, they're at home. This is a get-right game if there ever was one, especially because they've lost two division games already. Pittsburgh, Cleveland, and Baltimore are all sitting with good records and if they go zero and three when everybody else is two and one that's not good i think this is going to be a closer game than people think i don't think this is going to be a blowout i'm very concerned about the health of joe burrow's calf because yeah. i'm not sure if trotting out a 60 70 percent joe burrow is effective enough for this offense the way that the offense is built behind an offensive line and it's still learning how to play together a lot of their inefficiencies, a lot of their poor play up front is masked by Joe Burrow's ability to create and extend plays and maneuver in the pocket. You can't do that on one leg. And it already and it makes his deficiencies in the physical department, so his arm strength, that it makes those look a whole lot worse. So I do wonder what that's going to look like if Joe Burrow is playing. If he doesn't play, good luck because now you're putting a backup quarterback and that offensive line in front of Aaron Donald who still hasn't had like the Aaron Donald. Like, I mean, he's been very good still, but he hasn't had the signature like Aaron Donald, like breakout game. You right. know, we haven't had that moment yet, but I think this is going to be a game where if Joe Burrow plays both these teams put up a lot of points because you give <laughs> You give Sean McVay and Matthew Stafford any time to figure out what you do on defense, and they will find every zone beater, every high-low concept. Puka Nakua is going to once again have 40 targets. It's going to be great. I already I already bet Puka Nakua is over on receptions tonight, so I'm oh, yeah. that they target him early and often. Oh, yeah. They're going to go to him early and often. It's going to be a fun one, and I do wonder if the Rams win, you know, looking at the schedule – Indy, Philly, Arizona, Pittsburgh, at Dallas, and at Green Bay before the bye. If they are at least competitive, 
is this the Jonathan Taylor team if they oh. if they swing it? Oh man, you know Les Snead and McVay would do it tomorrow. Les Snead would one hundred percent send that first round pick. Absolutely, absolutely. Like, this is the first time they've had their own first round pick since they drafted Jared Goff in twenty sixteen. And they will loot. They will give it away. And as they do not give a shit. Instant <laughs> in an instant. So I wonder what happens in the long term for the Rams. But this is going to be a really fun game. I'm looking forward to it. Um, I told you before we started that I need your help with something. I'm going to let you know what that is now. So I'm moving next week into uh, my apartment and I'm assigning myself a fun project. Um, I was going through just in my head randomly the other day. I was like, there are so many sequels to Disney movies that I've never seen. And I need to figure out, I don't need to, but I'm going to for the enjoyment of myself and people on Twitter. I'm going to start watching sequels to Disney movies. and I'm going to put them in a tier list. So I, I think I've seen Lions King 2. Don't remember it. Uh, I don't remember either of the Aladdin sequels. With I think it's what? Return of Jafar. What's the other one? Uh, I don't know. They went straight to DVD. Oh, beautiful. All right. Great. Can't wait. So there's a lot of there's a 101 Dalmatians 2. Haven't seen that. Uh, in your humble opinion, as the resident Disney expert amongst NFL media members, what is what are the go to Disney sequels? Go to Disney sequels. I mean, I'm gonna exclude the Toy Story franchise because sure, seen those, you you know. Um, I think this. I don't know if this counts, but Cars Three was really good. I really like Cars Three. Have I seen Cars Three? I feel like I've seen it. That's that's not the spy one, is it? No, that's Cars Two, which that's horrible. Yeah. But Cars 3 is really good. I think it kind of, it puts Lightning McQueen in the does he still got it range, Mm. which I think is really cool. Um, Frozen 2, really good. I I have seen Frozen 2, and that is far better than the first movie. Thank you. Yes, Frozen 2 is better better than Frozen 1. Um, Sequels of Disney movies. Doesn't a a goofy movie have a sequel? Yes, an extremely goofy movie. But Max is in college, and it's great. It's not as good as the first Goofy movie, but an extremely Goofy movie, it's good. It's All right. Good. I'll keep that one in mind as well. Okay. Um, Have you seen the, the second 101 Dalmatians, like the animated one? They go to London? I, I guess think, they're already in London. I think so. I think I've seen it, yeah. Um, What's a, what's a sequel that I think is really good? So, so I haven't seen... The second Lion King is that what, Simba's Pride. Yeah, so I, I think that. I think that movie is all right. Okay, but there's one song in there that's so good. Really? Yes. Okay. One of us in Lion King Two, banger of a Disney song. <laughs> Fantastic. Okay. Uh, the Rescuers Down Under. That's an old one, but there's a uh, second rescuers. I did not know that. Second rescuers. Um, let's see. Atlantis, Milo's return. That's a pretty good one. Okay. Um, Kronk's new groove is goofy because I mean, yeah, it's Kronk now instead of uh Cusco. But oh, Lion King one and a half. Really what good. It? What is that? That is Basically, the Lion King from Timon and Pumbaa's perspective. That sounds fun. It's a fun movie. Fun okay. movie. Is, is it on Disney Plus? I hope so. 
Okay. <laughs> so I'm going to yeah, seek out a few of these if they're not. Those ones I got for you, I will, I'll send you some more that I think are really good. All right. That, that is exactly what I needed. Um, what do you have coming on SB Nation in the next few days that people can check out? Yeah, so uh, colleague Mark Schofield and I were doing a Heisman ballot for the first quarter of the college football season that's going to come out. Um, establish the fun, always, every Friday. Very good. I feel like I'm kind of – we're writing a lot uh, for Establish the Funds this year. It's really fun. And, yeah, I wrote a couple things today about Notre Dame and the Jaguars just kind of needing to chill out, you know. So just follow me on Twitter, see what I'm watching, and it's a pretty fun ride. Now, establish the Fun is my favorite column to read of the week by anybody. I'm not just saying that because you're here. Uh, but uh, I'm glad that we've built this friendship, and I'm glad that uh, I get to follow you on your journey as you get to follow me on mine. So always great to have you on, my friend. I appreciate you. And I will see you in about six hours when we do Chase Thomas's pod together. <laughs> for sure. For sure. Thank you, everybody, for listening to the Pump Fake. If you're watching, listening, we appreciate you for making us part of your afternoon. We'll be back in a few days with Mike Tanier to talk about everything coming in week four. Appreciate you. Have a good day. Talk to you then. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.